Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Today we're going to finish up our series on gratitude. We're in part three of gratitude, altitude of gratitude. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do and hopefully uh, I did during this series was uh, I wanted to reframe what gratitude and thankfulness is to us. What I mean by that is thankfulness is not just a feminine quality or something we tell our children to be. Okay, it's not something we talk about on social media for the month of November leading up to the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, Gratitude should be a quality that every believer possesses and exhibits. Being grateful is not just a feeling. Gratitude is a state of being. That's the only way we can do what Paul commanded us to do when he said, give thanks in all circumstances. Gratitude releases the blessing of God in our lives. Think about it. When you do something nice for someone, whatever that may be, and they show gratitude to you, they say thank you, they may even write you a thank you card, they may even publicly recognize you because of what you did. How does that make you feel? Well, for me, it makes me want to do something nice for them again because they're showing gratitude. Now, if you do something nice for someone and they don't show gratitude, they don't say thank you. In fact, they even express and communicate that they wished you had done a little bit more. How does that make you feel? Well, for me, it makes, you, makes me feel like I'm not going to do anything nice for you again, you little ingrate. You know what I mean? And why would we think it's not the same with God? One of the byproducts of a grateful person is God's blessing on their lives. When we have an attitude and a heart of gratefulness and not a heart of pride or a heart of entitlement or or a heart that that says, God, whatever you bless me with, it's never good enough. I wish I had something else. Jesus said that those who are faithful with a little will be entrusted with more. In the same way, those who are grateful with a little will be entrusted with more. Christians, if you're a Christian in here, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, we should be the most grateful people on the planet. Why? Because we have tasted the goodness of His grace. And I've said this many, many times over the last three weeks, but I want you to know that is the basis of our gratitude. It's more than, God, thank you, Lord, that I can afford an umbrella in this rainy weather. Thank you, God, for the clothes and the shoes. Our basis for gratitude is grace. Amen? Amen. We have experienced His love. We have experienced His power. We have encountered His grace and kindness and love in our lives. Our lives might not be perfect, but we have no excuse not to be grateful. Amen? Amen? You might think you have a money problem, but maybe it's a gratitude problem. Because gratitude causes you to be generous, and when you're generous, God blesses you. You might think you have a relationship problem, but maybe it's a gratitude problem. Maybe your ungratefulness is causing people to not want to be around you. Okay? You might think you have a mental illness problem, but maybe it's a gratitude problem. And I'm not belittling mental illness in any way. I think that's a legit and real 
issue that many people face, but could it be that your anxiety or depression is linked in some way to your ingratitude? Neuroscience reveals that gratitude can literally rewire your brain. Did you know that? Psychologists Dr. Emmons of the University of California at Davis and Dr. Michael McCullough of the University of Miami published a study in 2015 that looked at the physical outcomes of practicing gratitude. One-third of the subjects in the study were asked to keep a daily journal of things that happened during the week for which they were grateful. Another third was asked to write down daily irritations or events that had displeased them. The last third of the group was asked to write down daily situations and events with no emphasis on either positive or negative emotional attachment. At the end of the 10-week study, each group was asked to record how they felt physically and generally about life. The gratitude group reported feeling more optimistic and positive about their lives than the other groups. In addition, the gratitude group was more physically active and reported fewer visits to a doctor than those who wrote only about their negative experiences. The moral of that story is that it's better for our body, mind, and soul to be grateful. It's just better for our health, for our spiritual health, our mental health, and our physical health. Amen? So with that being said, let's talk about the final eight things that Scripture commands us believers to be thankful for. Last week we talked about seven. This week we're talking about eight. So I've got to go fast so we're not here all day long, all right? Last week I introduced the four categories under which the 15 things Scripture uh, uh, commands us to be thankful for falls under. And uh, if we could put on that slide, uh, we're here. Thank you. So the, the first category we talked about last week was God's creative power. The second category of thankfulness is God's church. And then today we're going to talk about God's goodness and God's personal work in our lives. So God's goodness. As King David in the Old Testament had the Ark of God move to Jerusalem, and the Ark of God was a chest that carried the Ten Commandments in it, and was constructed by the Israelites while they were in the wilderness in the Sinai Desert. And it also signified the presence of God for God's people. As he brought the, the ark of God into Jerusalem, they gave thanks to the Lord and sang a psalm written by David together. The whole nation came together in celebration and thanksgiving and gratitude, and they sang a psalm written by David together. And in that psalm was written in 1 Chronicles 16.34, and it said this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. You believe that? Yes. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. We should be thankful for God's goodness and enduring love. When David took over the kingdom from Saul, one of the first things he desired to do was to bring back true, authentic, genuine worship to the nation, to make God the center of Israel. So bringing the ark of God to Jerusalem was a huge thing, and there was praise and thanksgiving for God's goodness that was happening. And as they were celebrating, they remembered all that God had done for their ancestors, bringing them out of Egypt and through the wilderness and giving them the land that was promised to Abraham. And as they remembered all of these things, all of the battles and the trials and the struggles that God had brought them through, they thanked God for His goodness and His enduring love. 
We should be full of gratitude because God's love never fails and God's love never stops. If there is no one in your life today that you can think of and you can honestly say they love me, if there's no one in your life like that today, I want you to know you can be grateful that a personal God loves you and that love that He has for you will never, ever, ever run out. This love is an eternal love that lasts forever. And as a believer, God does not take away or withhold His love every time you sin and fall and mess up. It's not like that. I'll love you as long as you're doing everything you're supposed to do. And, and, and you know, if you jam your finger or something and you cuss, zoop, he takes his love away. That's not how God, that's not how God works. His love is eternal. His love is enduring. His love lasts forever. Amen? He doesn't remove his love if you forget to read your Bible or pray this coming week. You had too much turkey. I'm saying you don't wake up during your normal prayer time the next day. He doesn't just... Take his love away. His love for you does not evaporate. Amen? This love is enduring and lasts throughout eternity. Number two, we should be thankful because his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Psalm chapter 100 verses 4 and 5 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. We see that again. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. This is how I've heard the difference between grace and mercy and I really like it. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve while mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Do you hear that? Grace is receiving what we don't deserve while mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Let's thank God for both of those things. Amen. His mercies are new every morning and His grace is sufficient for all of us. Let's be thankful and grateful to God that both of those things are evident in our lives. So let's talk about what we do deserve. Okay, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Okay? So what we do deserve, since all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of God's standard and glory, we deserve death, which means eternal separation from God. People always say, how could a loving God send anyone to hell for their sins? People forget that God is not only loving, He is also holy. And God would not be a just God if He allowed sin to go unpunished and that punishment is eternal death and separation from Him. But that's not the end of the verse. Thank God. Can we say thank God together? That's not the end of the verse. The second part of Romans 6.23 is, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve eternal death for our sins, yet because of Jesus, He took our punishment so that you and I could receive mercy. He took what we deserved so we would not receive what we deserved. That should incite a deep, deep gratitude in our hearts towards the Savior. We should also be thankful for, number three, the Lord's strength, protection, and help. 
Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. When we are trying to function in our own strength, it's difficult to be grateful because pride or despair blinds our hearts from being grateful. For example, if we're operating in our own strength and we're killing it at work, we're killing it in our relationships, and we're killing it financially, the temptation will be to give ourselves too much credit and our hearts become filled with pride and arrogance, thinking that it's something that we did in our own strength that caused all of these good things to happen in our lives. And in the same way, if we're operating in our own strength and we are completely failing at life, Shame and despair will start to fill our hearts when we think, man, my, my kids are not obeying me. My kids are failing at school. Man, I'm, I'm messing up at work. I got called into the office again. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing good in school. All of these things are overwhelming. If we're operating in our own strength, our lack of production in life will crush us. But when we are walking in God's strength, we can walk in confidence and gratitude, whether all is well, all is bad, or somewhere in between, because we know that God is going to give us the strength we need for any situation we may face. I am always thanking God for His protection over me and my family's life. The passage that we read tells us that the Lord is our strength and that the Lord is our shield. What is a shield? It's a device used to protect us from oncoming danger. The Lord is both our provider and our protector. A couple years ago, we, uh, we drove to Kansas City from the city to spend Christmas uh, with my family. And it's an 18-hour drive if you don't stop anywhere. So our plan was to stop halfway, get a hotel, and then drive the rest of the way. And so about 100 miles into our journey, my car started not accelerating, right? And oh, by the way, it was right in the middle of an Arctic cold front. It was like seven degrees outside and dropping. It was like crazy cold. And right before my car started acting up, I noticed a road sign on it for roadside assistance, a free service that if you just called this number, I just happened to look over and I saw that number and, and, and it's a free service. If you have any trouble, they'll, they'll send a, a, a tow truck to help you and so right after that, my car started messing up and it wouldn't accelerate. And I was like, what is going on? So we stopped on the side of the road. I remembered the number, called the number. We had someone come and escort us to the hotel. And oh, by the way, this was on Christmas Day. So we, we got to the hotel. We were spending Christmas Day with our car broke down, frigid Arctic temperatures, spending our Christmas day doing this. And so we get to the hotel and Priscilla goes to the front desk and tells her the situation. And the front desk person says, you know what? I'm going to give you my friends and family code today. And so your stay here is only going to be $35 tonight. And, and this code is going to last to the end of February. So any Marriott hotel across the country, you will get this same deal for. Isn't that amazing that... So though this was a bad situation, right, that, that, that we had this blessing happen in our lives. And boy, did we take advantage of that friends and family code. <laughs> $35 a night at a Marriott hotel, we took advantage of that. And it was an amazing blessing 
for our family. God protects and provides for his kids, and I am so thankful for that. Number four, we need to be thankful for his righteous judgments. His righteous judgments. Psalm 119.62 says this, At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. What's the writer talking about here? What is God's righteous judgments? Well, it's his word. It's the word of God. We need to be grateful for the word of God. The word of God is our manual for life. It is our GPS system to navigate through the complexities of our day-to-day activities. In it are the very words of God to his people. People go to great lengths to hear the voice of God, don't they? They'll go to the, remote, the most remote parts of the world to meditate and listen for His voice. They'll go to pastors and ask them what God is saying to them, right? They'll, they'll, they'll try and find God in music. They'll try and find God in art. They'll try and find God in idol worship. They'll go to psychics and fortune tellers trying to hear a voice from somewhere outside of themselves trying to tell them what to do. But we have a written document from Genesis to Revelation in which God speaks to us. Some call the Bible a love letter from God to man. The Bible is our source of absolute truth, and we arrange our lives around what God says in it to us. We form our lives around what the Word of God says, and we arrange our lives around what God says to His people. We arrange our lives around both the freedoms we find in it as well as the boundaries we find in it. Amen? Psalm 16.6 says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Some people enjoy the freedoms of what God's Word says they can have and receive and all that, but they hate it when there's a boundary line in God's, where when God says, I don't want you to do this, I don't want you to live that way, I don't want you to make that decision, it makes some people mad, especially in our individualistic culture where we think what's right for me might not be right for you, but it's right for me, so I'm going to do it. Well, God doesn't operate that way. Amen? When God creates a boundary for us to live by, it's not to enslave us, it's not to infuriate us, it's not to hold us back, it's none of those things. It's so that we can walk in unity and intimacy with Him, and anything that endangers that unity and intimacy with the Father, He puts a boundary in place for us so that we can experience an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. So don't curse the boundaries. Be grateful and thankful for them. The last category we're going to look at is God's personal work in your life. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse number 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. We must be thankful for God's provision in order to be generous. We must be thankful and grateful for the Lord's provision so that you and I as believers can be 
generous. One of the marks of gratitude is generosity. Okay, You can't get around it. You can't get away from it. One of the attributes and marks of, of gratitude is generosity. You can't be grateful without being generous. True gratitude is always followed by giving. When we are generous with what God has provided for us and blessed us with, it will result in other people giving thanks to God. Amen? God doesn't bless us financially so that we can build our own kingdom and store up treasures here on earth. I've heard it said this way, God doesn't bless us so that we can raise our standard of living, but so that we can raise our standard of giving. Did you hear that? God doesn't bless us so that you and I can always raise our standard of living, but so that we can raise our standard of giving. Amen? Who or what we're thankful for will be reflected in the way we spend our money and what we invest in. For example, if you are grateful to be part of this church community and what God is doing here, inevitably you're going to give and be generous towards the church because you want what's happening here to continue. And not only just what's happening to continue, you're going to want it to multiply. You're going to want it to increase. You're going to want it to expand, right? And so you're going to be generous and you're going to give because you're grateful for what God is doing in your life through this local community and through this local church. Number six, we should be thankful for spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Why should we be thankful? Because God loves us so much that He is not willing to keep us the same as when we found Him, or actually when He found us. He loves us so much that He is not willing to keep us the same person as when He found us. As we plant and root ourselves in the teachings of Christ, the local church and small group community, we will begin to mature and grow as believers. And I'm not a finished product yet, but I'm more mature in Christ than I was a year ago. And I'm grateful for that. And hopefully by the grace of God, I will be more spiritually mature next year than I am today. And I will be grateful to God for that. The difficult things that have come my way have not been easy, but I am grateful that through every single difficulty that I've gone through in life, the personal financial struggles that my family and I have faced since we have moved to New York City, uh, battling cancer twice with the second time being at the same time we launched our church. None of these things have been easy or fun. However, God has matured me in one way or another through every single difficult season or circumstance or situation that I have ever been in. I have encountered God in a different way. He has shown me something in my heart through that season. I've been able to see the the, the beauty of the people of God through a difficult time in in my life as they came around me and prayed for me and, and have been a blessing in my life. I've seen so many different things. Had I not gone through what I'd gone through, I would not be as mature as I am today. And so I thank God for that. I thank God that He spiritually matures me through every season, through every situation, and through every experience and and circumstance in my life. 
Not only should we be thankful for spiritual maturity, but a sign of spiritual maturity is a lifestyle of thankfulness. Number seven, we should be thankful for victory over sin and death. We should be thankful for victory over sin and death. Like I mentioned earlier, Christians should be the most grateful people on the face of the earth because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We have been made new. We have been given a righteousness outside of our own. One person calls it an alien righteousness because it does not come from within us. It comes from outside of us. Amen. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Christ and surrender our brokenness to him, we are clothed with his righteousness. We are clothed with his love and grace and beauty. In other words, we are being formed into who we already are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Every single day, the Holy Spirit is shaping us and forming us and molding us into who we already are in Christ uh, the moment we uh, put our faith in him. Amen? And we should be grateful for that. But let me ask you a question today. Does your theology match up with your day-to-day attitude? Does your understanding of Scripture and God and Jesus result in an overflowing of thankfulness in your heart? Do you live your day-to-day life overflowing with gratitude for the victory Christ has given you over sin and death? Or do you walk around powerless and ungrateful for the things you think you deserve? How does, our, how does our theology and what we believe about God and what we believe about salvation and righteousness, how does it inform our day-to-day lives? Because what it should do is every single day, whether I'm going through hell or, or I'm on a mountaintop, when we understand that our righteousness is in Christ Jesus and that we have a grace that we don't deserve and, we, and, we, and, our, and the mercies of God are new every day, no matter what we're going through, we should be grateful people. We should be a thankful people. We should be a grateful community. Amen? Amen. Finally, we need to be thankful for the gift of salvation. We need to be grateful for the gift of salvation. I don't think there's a more appropriate reason to be thankful that we should end this series on gratitude on than this point right here. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Paul here was referring to Jesus. Salvation through Jesus is the greatest gift anyone can ever, ever, ever receive. Paul is telling us here, be thankful to God for sending his son so that you and I could receive this indescribable gift of salvation and eternal life. Imagine with me for a moment, the God who spoke everything into creation, the one who said, let there be light and there was light, The one who spoke into existence, the sun, the moon, the planets, the galaxies. The one who spoke the great mountain ranges of the world into existence. We are all uniquely and purposely fashioned. We all have unique 
fingerprints and personalities and complexions and, and despite that vast amount of people who are on this earth, the same God that created the Milky Way and all of the other billions of galaxies out there, how many there are, all of the stars in the sky, all of the great mountain ranges and bodies of water here on this earth, but he knows the amount of hairs on each of your head. And I know for some of us, there's not as many as others. It's easier to count, right? But he knows. He knows. He knows the, the small little details of our lives. That's how much he cares of us. Our timeless, ageless, limitless God is not an impersonal God who is out there somewhere, right? He is not just a force outside of us causing things to happen inside of our world. This God that I'm talking about is a personal God. In fact, he is a person, the person Jesus Christ, born in a manger in the town of Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, was his earthly father's apprentice in his carpenter's shop until the age of 30, where he started his full-time ministry. He ministered in Israel for three and a half years until he was accused of blaspheming God and sentenced to death by crucifixion. He was buried in a tomb and on the third day rose again and is now seated at the right hand of the Father with all things under His feet. All things were made by Him and for Him and all things are subject to Him. And there will come a time when everybody on heaven, whether they're alive now or dead, from past or present or future, Every single person will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. As we're about to close today and close out our series, I want to look at one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. And if I could have the worship team come up. And it's found in Philippians chapter number 2, starting with verse number 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being, in very, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a God we serve. My goodness, what a God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. What a powerful God we serve. He was not born into royalty in the Roman Empire, but was born into the family of a carpenter, was born in a manger in Bethlehem, then had to flee to Egypt because Herod was going to kill all the babies in the area because he heard that a king was born. Grew up in Nazareth. Was a carpenter growing up. The same God that created everything. The same God that all the angels are subject to. 
He humbled Himself and became obedient even to death on the cross. To, to die a criminal's death. That is the God we serve. What a God we serve! Amen? What a God we serve. It is a mystery that the God of this universe would want a relationship with me. That the God of the universe loves me so much that He would go to the cross and take my place and our place. That the God of the universe would provide an opportunity for me to receive the most precious gift in all the world, the gift of salvation. I am so grateful to Jesus. I hope throughout this series that the Holy Spirit was able to reframe our idea of gratefulness. That it's not a seasonal thing. That it's not something that just certain groups of people do. But it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's who we are as believers that are saved by grace. That receive His grace that is sufficient for us. That walk in an alien righteousness that came from outside of who we are. That when we understand that we could never be righteous enough to save ourselves, but someone who was saved us and wants a relationship with us. That should inspire us. That should motivate us. That should flood our hearts with gratitude all year long, every single day. That should, that should inform us when everything is going wrong. That should inform us when everything is going right. When someone backstabs us. When someone steps on us in order to climb the corporate ladder. And we're left thinking, God, I worked so hard for that position that that person literally just stole from me, we can still be grateful. When we understand that the promotions in life, the good things in life, the accolades in life, that every good and perfect gift comes from above, we can be grateful to a generous God. We can be grateful to a loving God. We can be grateful for a faithful God. Amen. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, if there's nothing else in our lives right now that we can be grateful for, everything's falling apart, but we have Jesus. We can spend eternity being grateful for that one thing. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Let's pray.